I am Thomas Solomon, and you are listening to the VO2 Podcast. Have you ever been told not to do exercise after a vaccine? I have, four times in the last nine months. So I dug into the don't do any exercise advice to see what's up. What I found was quite interesting, so I thought I'd share it. When going for my COVID vaccines over the past year or so, I've received the same advice on all three visits. No sport for two to three days after your vaccine. At the first appointment, I asked the doc why. The response? because it alters the effectiveness of the vaccine. I found the word alters somewhat ambiguous because it doesn't specify in which way the vaccine's effectiveness is affected. Does it impair or improve the effectiveness? At that time, I also suspected there couldn't possibly be data exploring the effect of exercise on the immunogenicity of this particular vaccine because the COVID vaccine had only been approved a few weeks prior. Furthermore, there was no mention of avoiding other unhealthy behaviours, such as alcohol or smoking, and I found this amusing because I was, in essence, being recommended to avoid a healthy behaviour, exercise. Two weeks ago, I had a vaccine against tick-borne encephalitis, TBE, as well as my Repovax booster against diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis and polio. When being bandaged up after the injections, I received similar advice. No sport after the vaccines today. Once again, with no advice regarding other unhealthy behaviours. Now my spidey senses were tingling. I was intrigued. From a pragmatic perspective, an intramuscular injection causes a microscopic wound in your skin and muscle fascia and places a small volume of fluid containing a foreign body, the antigen that will trigger your immunity to a specific disease, into your muscle, most often the deltoid muscle on your upper arm. This process causes an expected immune response, which includes local inflammation at the injection site, soreness, redness, swelling, heat and a loss of function. Local inflammation is a normal response to an injection, but the consequence is that it can be difficult to use said muscle for normal tasks. This means that exercise involving your arms might be difficult, even painful. Plus, arm exercise will likely cause more swelling in the muscle, thus delaying the recovery of the inflammatory processes. For this reason, it is wise to avoid heavy lifting, rowing, ski erging, climbing and anything else that places a load on your arms until the swelling subsides. Alas, most runners probably don't do any such things, so no worries there. But the important question is whether exercise directly affects the immunogenicity of a vaccine. Epic jargon that is more easily understood by asking, does exercise alter, impair or improve, how well the vaccine endows us with the acquired immunity required to confer protection against future exposure to the disease. 
Of course, you can always find case studies of unusual and rare outcomes. For example, I found a case report of neuropathy, nerve dysfunction, developing after vaccinations against tick-borne encephalitis and tetanus, six days apart, in one 45-year-old female athlete. But case reports simply show what rare events are possible, not what is highly probable or causal. For that, we need randomised controlled trials. One major limitation in trying to answer the question, does exercise alter vaccine effectiveness, is that it's almost impossible to determine whether the relative risk reduction of disease is changed by exercise. Of course, we cannot run a randomised controlled trial in which we'd purposefully provide subjects with an infectious disease. Instead, it would require a massive trial of folks randomised to a post-vaccine exercise intervention or a post-vaccine non-exercise control group with a follow-up to determine how many folks in each group get the disease of interest over the coming months. This approach would only really work with highly prevalent diseases that folks are regularly exposed to, for example flu or SARS-CoV-19, etc. But this kind of study is far too epic to ever happen. So we need an alternative approach to answer the question. And that approach is what the vast majority of studies in the exercise vaccine world do. They measure changes in post-vaccine antibody titers, not actual disease incidents. This approach is useful because it tells us whether the vaccine has triggered an immune response to produce the relevant antibody needed to help a person fight an infection if they're exposed to the disease. A 2020 systematic review by Vedhara and colleagues which investigated the effects of all non-pharmacological interventions as vaccine adjuvants, identified only 11 exercise-related randomised control trials, seven trials involving influenza flu vaccines, two including pneumococcal vaccines, and one study examining the meningococcal A and C vaccine. The authors concluded that two-thirds of all trials 8 out of 12, and randomised control trials, 7 out of 9, reported some evidence of an enhanced antibody response to vaccination in the intervention arm. Note that all trials means both non-randomised and randomised, and intervention arm means the exercise groups. But this is a rather vague and subjective analysis. Despite conducting a network meta-analysis of all data, essentially pooling all non-pharmacological interventions, including exercise, nutrition, psychology, etc., the authors did not meta-analyse the exercise data. This is partly because within the 11 exercise-related trials, there is a variable array of study designs, including training interventions or single exercise bouts and during exercise vaccinations or pre- or post-vaccination exercise. In fact, only two studies were designed with an exercise intervention after the administration of a vaccine, which is the type of study we need to understand the no-sport-after-your-vaccine advice. What did those two studies show? Well, nothing of note, really. 
post-vaccine exercise had neither a beneficial nor a detrimental effect on vaccine immunogenicity. But a new 2022 study hot off the press from Hallam and colleagues reported that subjects who completed 90 minutes of light to moderate intensity exercise after receiving an influenza vaccine, N equals 20, or the Pfizer-BioNTech mRNA vaccine against COVID, N equals 36, had larger antibody responses in the weeks following vaccination compared to folks who did not exercise. So, at present, the data is sparse, and we are far from being able to produce a robust meta-analysis of post-vaccine exercise effects. But the data certainly isn't swaying in support of no sport after your vaccine advice. Speaking of meta-analyses, a 2016 Cochrane review by Grande et al. examined the effect of pre, not post, vaccine exercise on influenza vaccination. They concluded, From the available evidence, we found that exercising before influenza vaccination is neither beneficial nor harmful. However, study data were limited and of low quality. Small sample sizes, study design limitations, exercise types and focus on biochemical rather than participant-centred outcomes strongly influenced our findings. This conclusion is echoed in the findings of another hot-off-the-press randomised controlled trial examining the effects of prior exercise on the immunogenicity of vaccines against SARS-CoV-2 in immunocompromised folks. So, although this is not relevant to our post-vaccine exercise question, again it shows that exercise is not an evil-doer in your quest for immunogenicity. As you can see, there's a lot of methodological variability in the exercise vaccine world, and not a lot is known about the effects of post-vaccine exercise. Plus, what is known certainly doesn't show a detrimental effect of exercise on vaccine effectiveness. Therefore, it is difficult to justify a blanket statement of no sport after your vaccine, because there are insufficient data to draw from. This doesn't mean it's bad advice, but, in my opinion, the nuance of science is being lost in translation for an athlete seeking a vaccine amidst a training block. Consequently, there is little clarity in this field. We don't know the true effect of post-vaccine exercise on vaccine immunogenicity. And there are many unanswered questions. Namely, does exercise differentially affect the immunogenicity of vaccines for different diseases? For example, influenza versus pneumococcal versus meningococcal versus COVID vaccines, and so on. And does exercise differentially affect the immunogenicity of different types of vaccines? For example, inactivated virus vaccines like influenza versus live attenuated virus vaccines like chickenpox or MMR or mRNA vaccines, the new generation of COVID vaccines developed by Pfizer and BioNTech. Because of the unknowns, it is no surprise that public health officials, including medical doctors, are unaware of the reasons for their no sport today advice. So I guess this post becomes a nudge to exercise immunology researchers. 
please conduct high-quality, randomized controlled trials examining the effects of post-vaccine exercise and compile those trials in a systematic review and, ideally, a meta-analysis with the aim to inform public health policy. Only then will there be crystal clear information to help clinicians inform athletes of exactly what to do with their training when they've received a vaccine. In the meantime, to keep it simple, after your vaccine, if you develop disease symptoms and or feel shit, don't train. Rest, recover and come back stronger. Advice that is not only specific to having had a vaccine. Avoid heavy lifting and arm-specific exercises until the soreness and swelling have subsided to allow the injection site wound and muscle damage to heal. And to produce antibodies that could save your life, the vaccine needs to use your bodily resources, nutrients and energy. Don't jeopardise that by depleting all your resources by ruining yourself with a race, an epic session or series of hard sessions. Keep moving, but step off the gas for a couple of days. Go easy and prioritise health. Thanks for joining me for another session. If you find value in my posts, please help keep them alive by sharing them on social media and buying me a beer at buymeacoffee.com forward slash thomas.solomon. For more knowledge, join me at Thomas PJ Solomon on Twitter, follow at VO2 on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe to my free email updates at vo2.com forward slash subscribe, and visit vo2.com to check out my other articles, nerd alerts, and free training plans, and my train smart code. I occasionally mention brands and products. But it is important to know that I am not sponsored by or receiving advertisement royalties from anyone. I have conducted biomedical research for which I have received research money from publicly funded national research councils and medical charities, and also from private companies including Novo Nordisk Foundation, AstraZeneca, Amelin, the AP Muller Foundation and the Augustinus Foundation. These companies had no control over the research design, data analysis or publication outcomes of my work. Any recommendations I make are, and always will be, based on my own views and opinions shaped by the evidence available. The information I provide is not medical advice. Before making any changes to your habits of daily living based on any information I provide, always ensure it is safe for you to do so and consult your doctor if you are ever unsure.